Talk Zone presents Two Guys on a Mic, your mid-morning break sports talk show. It's a passionate yet lighthearted look at the world of sports, featuring the coach, John Cohn, and the big dog, Joel Radwanski. They'll recap the games from yesterday, look ahead to the matchups tonight, and cover a lot more in between. Now, Two Guys on a Mic on TalkZone.com. A lot of stuff going on, a lot of stuff going on in the world of sports. Plenty to talk about. Big sports weekend, and we got uh, some interesting rivalries starting uh, today, starting this week, including the Chicago Cubs taking on the White Sox at U.S. Cellular Park. Plenty to talk about, folks. That's what we will do for the next 57 minutes and 48 seconds. But who's counting? Here are the two guys at a mic show, talkzone.com, interspersed in the scintillating sports conversation will be the award-winning music of the TalkZone.com. Yes, indeed. We hope all the dads out there had an outstanding Father's Day yesterday. I keep telling my kids and uh, my wife that Mother's Day is, uh, you know, it's a big day, but it's strictly a build-up. It's a lead-up. It's a practice, if you will, to the truly big day, which is Father's Day. Of course, they don't buy that, but each and every year I try to put that on it but uh we do hope all the dads out there had a great day yesterday if you're a dad that enjoyed watching golf even though the u.s open was not a climatic finish it was anything but it was still pretty good drama let's welcome in our golfing expert and our co-host for the entire week the big dog joel radwanski who if i remember correct has only played seven times in his life our golf expert yeah. But of those seven, three of them have been on championship tournament golf courses. That's that's no joke. I, I legitimately <laughs> have played on probably better golf courses yep. than if you just name my top five courses, I'm probably better off than yep. 99% of any true golfer out there for mm-hmm. their top five golf. And again, I, to repeat, our golfing expert Joe Redwaski has played seven times in his life. He's 38 years old. So about once out of every six years of his fine uh, stay here on the planet Earth. but uh, and, just... and yet to this day, the greatest shot that I have ever made uh-huh. is when I shot at the wrong hole. <laughs> it just so happened that my ball landed just by the green of the ball of the, of uh-huh. the hole I should have been shooting at. Perfect shot. Uh, I, well, I don't want to say perfect. Well, actually it was. It was an unbelievable shot. Mm-hmm. And, and my friends to this day, they, they just laugh about it. They're like, dude, you were... You, like, that's when I finally gave up and got frustrated <laughs> on the golf course for the first time. Uh-huh. And I can't believe all it. They're like, what are you talking about? Dude, this, they were like, they were in awe. They're like, we couldn't believe it. <laughs> you had to fade. The ball landed there. And they guess, you know, you're throwing your club. And kicked. They were like, we thought you lost your mind. And then we realized <laughs> that you just didn't oh. realize we're shooting at the right hole. You and, and we have golfed together just- once. It was, I remember, like, it was a 95-degree hot day. The two of us were dying our... Two partners, uh, including uh, one very good guy, Big John, Big John Vic, uh, who's a little bit overweight. He like almost passed out after 13 hole. But we have golf golf together. It was an enjoyable experience. Well, we had a, a really sort good of. time. And I, I don't. Was that the year that I golfed and I drank like five Buddy Marys before? No, before. no, that was the year that we were on the golf course, the two of us. But we were announcing. Oh, that's as like right. a gimmick. They put us at the tenth hole. And they put a microphone in front of us with a couple of speakers, and it was raining out, so we really enjoyed all the wiring right around us. Remember that? Yeah, that was that was phenomenal. <laughs> hey, thanks for coming out, guys. There's your seat. Uh, we don't have an umbrella for you, but we got plenty of wires and a microphone. Enjoy. Yeah. Have a good day. 
uh, Steve Ritchie hooking us up for uh, the <laughs> oncology. I, I for, uh, swinging for the kids. It was for a good cause. Yes, yeah, we almost got kids. electrocuted. It was almost the death of us. But you're right. It was for a good cause. Uh, it, it was definitely worth it. I'll be more than willing to almost get electrocuted and have yeah. uh, free Jack Daniels and and do that again next year. Yeah. And I would much rather, and I mean this, I would much rather make fun of people golf than actually golf and then actually golf myself. Yes. I, I have no interest to do it whatsoever. But you have to admit, Coach, I said with my heart, Steve Stricker, and with my head, Rory McIlroy. Mm-hmm. So I actually predicted a golfing event for yeah, the you first time it. ever in my life. You called it. You're absolutely correct. Steve Stricker was in the hunt. It was a great battle, by the way, for uh, second place, but it was just an unbelievable performance start to finish. I think we can safely say golf expert Joel Radwanski, one of the best four-day performances ever from the uh, barely 22-year-old kid, Rory McIlroy. Yeah, well, I don't I was out questioning, and, and I'll have to agree with the, the real experts when they say that, you know, this obviously isn't your usual U.S. Open, so let's not go crazy over what 16 under that he finished at. But let, let's admit it, he dominated the course, and he had the best round at least uh, the, every, the first three days, Coach. How about the fourth day? Did, did anybody play better than him on day four either? Yeah. Isn't that crazy? It's not like, you know, it wasn't like he had the best overall four days. He was the best on the course for four consecutive days. That doesn't. How often does that ever happen mm-hmm. in golf? Over 149, or I guess after the cut, the final two days, it's like 70 of the best golfers of the world. And you were the best every one of the days. Uh, that's, yep. that's, that's incredible. Even Tiger Woods, when he was dominating, mm-hmm. he would suck on Thursday. You know, he would have to dominate. You know, on on Friday and Saturday, just to get back into the event, you know, and then he would have the lead, and you know, he, you know, so it was. That's really strange. You you just hardly ever see that. And you were right, even though it was a blowout, it was scintillating television because, uh, you know, I, I, we didn't. I didn't want to see a car accident, but you know, you were kind of waiting for it because of what happened at the Masters. So when you have, but then all of a sudden you see the way the guy's playing, and then you realize it was not going to happen. He was just hitting the ball exactly where he wanted to hit it all the time. And isn't it great? It, it, he the thing he decided to do was attack and and be more aggressive yep. in the situation. And and you know a lot of people, you know, like oh, oh no, I can't I can't make a mistake. He was like, no, that's the mistake. You got to go out and play your game. That's what got you there. It's like it's like the team that uh, was real effective. You know, um, move, like passing the ball around the field and mixing it up on offense and football. Then all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we got the lead. Let's mm-hmm. run it into the wall three times and punt. You know, that's that's how you lose football games. That's how you lose golf tournaments, too. Same thing in basketball. You see a team, you know, come out strong in the second half, jump out to a 14, 16-point lead. Six minutes left in the game, they call timeout. All right, we got a 16-point lead. Let's play a little more conservative. And sure enough, they lose that lead. Exactly. You, and and obviously, we're not like, I'm not saying throw bombs on in football at the, you know, but you just, you got to do what got you there. Yep, yep. Don't change. Yep. I'm all about the uh, sports psychology. And again, uh, we thank everybody for joining us here. Two guys at a mic show. We'll talk a little U.S. Open to open up the show, get into some baseball news. We got all kinds of stuff. NBA draft, the the CONCACAF Cup to talk about, uh, 888-463-6748. Want to hear from you guys, the listeners. Again, U.S. Open, the topic first on the docket, 888-463-6748. Big dog, all about the psychology of sport. You alluded to it, the whole uh, train wreck, car crash type thing. But, uh, you know, I was fascinated to see how he would start Rory McIlroy. I mean, first of all, go back to your days, Big Dog, 21 years old. He just turned 22. I mean, yeah. you know, think back when you were that age, and here he is. 
knowing after three rounds, as he eats dinner that night, as he takes a shower, as he gets ready for bed, as he pauses before going to sleep, when he wakes up in the morning, that, you know, he's going to have a huge crowd surrounding him. From the minute he parks his car in the damn parking lot, there's going to be, you know, national TV, international cameras in front of the guy. And you got to think about that. I thought, honestly, that the, that there was a legit chance we were going to have, like, a major blow-up. But, um, you, know, you know what, I... I, I really didn't think it, but I knew it could happen, though. Yep. And I, I'm with you, Coach. I, I understand what you're talking about. So you have that on Sunday, which, which, you're, which you're right about. And what about Saturday? Because after the first 17 holes of the – I mean, the first 35 holes of the tournament, he was – he had not made a mistake. And then going into the 18th hole, he totally blew up and had a double bogey. He hadn't had a bogey yep. yet. And all of a sudden, he has a double bogey. So he has to think about that mm-hmm. all Friday night going into Saturday. You know, it wasn't like he got the, oh, I, I made a mistake, and all of a sudden he's like, oh, am I going to implode again? And I, right afterwards, he was like, I'm not, I can't wait to get back on the golf course tomorrow. You know, and he, was, and he said it, like, confidently and not like he was just saying it. You know, how sometimes people say exactly what they're supposed to say, but, mm-hmm. you know, the substance really isn't there. The meat isn't there. You can tell that they're just faking it because they're, they're smart enough to say the right thing, unlike LeBron James. Mm-hmm. Uh, but, yeah, that, I mean, that kid, he's it, Coach. He really is. It, you know, it's, it's kind of sad because before this tournament, I was saying, why are we in a hurry to find out who the number one player in the world is? Because it seemed like there was a rush. Who's going to replace Tiger Woods? What? It's going to take us a while. Maybe it wasn't. It took us four days. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think we have the answer. Well, it's not just the four days. It was the, uh, you know, he's a pretty good golfer before, but the Masters yeah. tournament. Now, we all remember the blow up on 18, but this guy competing in the Masters, the you, best of the best, the most prestigious. He was leading, and again, at 20. One years old. He was leading after three days, Big Doug. So and I the, think it's, it's his master's performance combined with this now that makes him, I'm not going to say the new Tiger, but he clearly is the next best thing in PGA golf. Yeah, he's the he's the new Rory McIlroy, and, that, and that's yep. good enough. You're exactly right, Coach, because the first three uh, rounds of the Masters, he was the best player each round yes. also, and then all of a sudden he blows up in round four. That's what I think makes him winning the U.S. Open. Mm even more impressive. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody can do it when everything's going well. You know, and, and obviously when he gets it going well, he can get it, he gets it going pretty good. Uh, but, you know, to have an implosion like he, and it was an implosion, let's, let's not act like it wasn't anything. It wasn't like Full. it was bad luck. Full scale. He made, he made poor decisions and bad shots. And in golf on the, on the final round, that's a bad decision. Yeah. That's and and went from bad to worse. He kept, kept sinking deeper. And to be able to rebound like this, I mean, he's got to be the real deal, Coach. Mm-hmm. It, to me, it's more impressive than if he had won the Masters. This U.S. Open is even more impressive. Yeah, yeah. and again, at the age of, uh, I think he just, he's like 22 years in one month. That's, you know, it's one thing to be able to overcome that if you've been through it a little bit before. You're 27, 28, 29 years old, but at his age, just amazing, uh, despite the athleticism that he obviously had. The mental part picked up for him to withstand that was I thought was particularly impressive. And and then like they show what he does. He he blows the lead at the Masters. What does he do? He goes to he goes to Haiti with UNICEF and uh, spends a couple of weeks there and starts making sure kids are getting fed and people are getting clothes and they're rebuilding homes there. That's okay. that's that's a great. That's probably the best possible thing you can do to get over a bad day or a slump or a psychological yeah. problem. Well, yeah. through the Masters, I finished to uh, finished in tenth when I had it. You know, right in the Palm of my hand. Oh well, you know what? I, I still made about 
$100,000 in that tournament. And, oh, by the way, mm-hmm. a lot better off than all these people I'm helping right now. I think uh, we should we should probably jump on board that philosophy, Big Do. We probably four times a year, every time the quarterly radio ratings come out and we see where our, what our listening audience is, probably to get over that brief moment of depression, the two of us, uh, every after every quarterly rating, we should probably go to Haiti and help the homeless and feed the poor. I guarantee you, if, uh, if we're going to go to a third world country, yes, uh, my my girlfriend will definitely want me going to Haiti. She okay. definitely doesn't want me going to like Laos or something like that. Coach. Okay, so, yeah. well, I'm I'm open, but I think uh, we can you know we can figure out which third world country. But I think I'll check with David Olson, our producer, the general manager, uh, the commish, Chris Whitting. But I think a visit to a third world country after each. Ratings quarterly uh, probably be good for our psychology, big dumb. Why don't we help like people that are like in the like the south of France along the Mediterranean beaches, coach? That's fine. We can do that too. We could do that. I don't. I don't know what. What are we exactly? Are we helping them with? I'm not sure what. I don't know. Like <laughs> making sure they have their the the sunblock on. Okay, that would be a good one. Yeah, make sure everybody's got enough SP uh, thirty plus. Melanomas are a serious issue, Coach. Let's not downplay the importance of sunblock. <laughs> Big Dog on his mission to the beaches of southern France. <laughs> just here to help, my friend. Just here to help. I just want to make sure everybody's okay. Oh, God bless you. Rory McIlroy winning the uh, U.S. Open. Absolutely amazing. Was it great? And I don't think they played this up enough, but it actually was a very competitive battle to see who was going to come in second place. Uh, and, and let's give Jason Day a little tip of the hat. Also. A big tip of the hat. Yeah, he he has been awesome the last two tournaments. So I mean, he's got doesn't have a win, but he's got two second place finishes in in majors this year, and he's played phenomenal in both tournaments. Second place in the Masters, second place in the U.S. Open. He's from Australia. Doesn't look Australian, but he's from Australia. But yeah, he may be uh, he may be the next best thing too. And it'd be kind of fun for golf, wouldn't it? If you get a little bit of that. Again, I don't want to compare McElroy to Tiger, but you know what Mickelson and Tiger had going for a while. Maybe we get that from the young Jason Day and the even younger Rory McElroy. Yeah, I, I can see it happening. There's, uh, mm-hmm. there's a couple players that I, that I can see like all of a sudden rising up, and and these are all the players that grew up watching Tiger Woods. I mean, there seems to be a lot of good like twenty to twenty five year old golfers right now. Mm-hmm. A lot more than I could ever remember. Not that I've ever really been a huge follower of the sport, but it does seem like there's a, a lot of guys. And by the way, Jason Day is Filipino, Coach. He's still a who? Filipino. Oh. Not all Filipinos. I thought you said he's still a peanut. Oh, no, no, no. Still so a peanut. Like, he still... doesn't look Australian. No, he's he's Australian. I know, but you like he's also Filipino, though. Oh, okay. So he's a Filipino-Australian. Yeah, like, and, like Filipinos uh, don't always come to the United States. Some of them go to Australia, too, as far as closer. Name your top ten uh, favorite Filipino-Australians. 888-463-6748. We'll do a survey. I have to admit, I'm stuck on Jason Day, coach. <laughs> oh, goodness. Big Dog and a coach with you here right up until 11 o'clock. we got a great week ahead of us, Big Dog. Very excited about the stuff uh, coming up this week, and we'll continue talking about the great U.S. Open. But we got NBA draft coming up later this week. I don't want to spend too much time on it today. I know you're doing some research after you became our golf expert. You now have 24 days to morph. Starting tomorrow, you're our NBA draft expert. I hope you know that. Coach, well, I can at least give a tiny bit of insight into that. Okay. A little bit more than I can on on golf, but I'll be more than happy to be okay. called the golf expert, Coach. Yeah. Anything I can put on the resume? Yes. I mean, I mean, at least you've called me that. You know what I yeah. mean? So I can at least say, yeah, somebody else considers me a golf expert. Well, I'm still a little hurt. Yeah. Uh, 
you know, in all the jobs that you've applied for, you know, that we're almost in triple figures now with your different jobs, that I've never had to write a, a, a personal reference I've, or a job reference for you. Could you, you know, I, I'd write an up for a nice thing for, for you. Major League Baseball. You did one for Major League Baseball, Coach. Oh, yeah, I forgot about that. And I, 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 I didn't read it, but I know I didn't get the job. <laughs> and, you know what, and honestly, and, and you know what, it, like when I like listen to a Cubs broadcast and I hear Pat Hughes do the job, yep. it's phenomenal. Like I, I was like, okay, but like when, uh, please don't get this wrong, people, but I don't think Len Casper does a really good job of Cub baseball, and it kind of like bothers me. Cause I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, I think I really would do a better job than Len Casper. Well, I watched these two guys that they hired on the MLB Network. Oh, coach, how could that? I cannot? These guys like sit there like bumps on the logs. They don't say anything. They like drool on themselves. Which, uh, which, are you talking about the sideline reporters? Oh, the MLB fan cave. That was the job I was supposed to get. Oh, okay. And I watched these guys. It just drives me crazy. I'm mm-hmm. like sitting there, like my buddies are like, they give these guys a job. They like ask them a question. They're like, Say- I mean, you can have like this great answer. They ask them something. They're like, oh, you, your Albert Pujols is good. Oh, that's wow. That's that's really nice to know. Keep so, Friday's like, show, Big Duff. Friday's show, we were baseball intensive. Me and David Olson talked about it uh, afterwards. Many things we talk about. Usually, you know, the wife and the kids, what's going on for the weekend. But we talked about after listening to that baseball intensive show, which you were featured, that you absolutely, and I've said this before, and I'm not just floating your boat here, uh, you absolutely could do you know, be it baseball announcing or in studio, there are guys on ESPN that you would clearly, clearly be better. And you have knowledge of the game. You got a passion for it. You got a little sense of humor. You make it enjoyable. And again, I'm not just, you know, throwing dirt on the would be grave here. I'm, I'm legitimately saying that it is frustrating to see people that not necessarily bad, but someone like yourself who would be better and you don't get the opportunity. Yeah, I know. That's, and honestly, that's why I say, that's why, like, when I listen, it's hard for me to watch a Cub baseball game sometimes when Len Casper starts talking. See, I, I find I Len Casper. I don't, I don't think he's the greatest. I think Len Casper's okay. I'm not saying I should. I would do a better job than Len Casper either. I'm not mm-hmm. saying that. But uh, but you're right. Like the studio guys. That's where you'd be best. When I, and then I see these guys in the fan cave, and I, it's just driving me crazy, Coach. It's mm-hmm. driving. And then they have them like doing like skits and stuff, and neither one of them can act. And it's it's just I'm like oh I just shake my head. And I was like I, if I would have been there, Coach, I would, it's like it would have been totally different. I really know it. And so it's one of those things I just have to get over. Send them a copy of Friday's show. I I watch MLB Network all the time. They have a commercial on like every five minutes. I just want to scream. My buddies always, they just laugh. Right when they hear the beginning, like music of the commercial, they like just change the channel. Mm -hmm. Frustrated would-be announcer, Big Dog, Joel Radwanski (laughs) joining us. If anybody from MLB Network is listening and you want to hire the Big Dog, you can do it directly by dialing up 888-463-6748. David, if anybody from the... MLB Network calls, put them ahead of Bobby from Bolingbrook and Larry from Lincolnwood, please. Nothing against Bobby from Bolingbrook and Larry from Lincolnwood. Uh, hey, big dog. Cubs, Sox, I know there hasn't been as big a buildup as usual for it. Uh, let's talk about that real quick. White Sox, Cubs fans, baseball fans, 888-463-6748. And I'm just going to preface it by saying I'm tired of the media people that cover these teams on a regular basis and get stuck in their own mud pile of negativity. You know, I read the Tribune today trying to get excited a little bit about it, and all it is, oh, this is going to be the worst series. You know, the two teams are disappointing, negative, neg- eh, a bunch of crap. I'm looking forward to it. I think it'll be good, competitive baseball with a lot of storylines. Yeah. Cubs at White Sox, big dog. Maybe those people should realize that they got great jobs. Yes. They watch baseball for a living. Okay? <laughs> I mean, let's, I mean, what are you trying to do? Have people not read about it? 
Yeah, this the season's worthless. Let's not even worry yeah. about it. Okay, well then why should I bother reading your article then? Exactly. Now on, if if this season is so worthless and these That's teams are so bad. Exactly right. And, and you know, I I used to keep I bashed because last two years and again I finally liked the direction, but they need they need some positive stuff to go for them because my goodness, that is it's like a mash unit out there. I, and uh, quite simply, this is a big series for the White Sox, and I know it it doesn't mean more. Doesn't mean more than when they're playing the Indians or Tigers or the, or the Twins means less. But like with this playoff atmosphere and stuff, I, this could be what's like kind of like nudges them. Each one of these teams has had this particular series make or break their season many, many times over the years. I have no idea why, but there have been years where like the Cubs have swept the White Sox, and all of a sudden, yes, you know they're like in the wild card or. They finally get back in the division, and, and and I know that there's been years where the Cubs were playing really well. They got swept by the White Sox, and their season just crashed after that. White Sox haven't been affected as much, but it, it has. Been. I remember 2000, they were they were playing phenomenal, and then they played really poor for like two weeks. They played the White Sox. I mean, they played the Cubs, destroyed the Cubs, and next thing you know, right after that, they went on like that that crazy like two month stretch right after they swept the Cubs that year. Mm-hmm. So. It, it it just tends to be a really big like catapult series for one of the teams. Yep, no question. History shows that, and for the for the White Sox team, and again, it wouldn't matter if it's the Cubs or not. They dug themselves such a hole that uh, it it almost forced every series to be somewhat. I'm not gonna say super critical, but somewhat critical. They they don't have a lot of cushion. They don't have a whole lot of margin. They got to consistently march forward. I think what five and a half back. They did take. Uh, they beat Arizona two out of three. Over the weekend, big dog. So they're playing better, but uh, they they just gotta they gotta. I don't think it's gonna take a super hot streak. They just gotta grind their way, fight their way back into contention. Well, the, the best thing about the situation that they're in is that nobody's run away with the division. The, the issue yep. is there's three other teams that they're now battling uh, to win that division with, um, but no one's run away with it. And mm-hmm. 86 wins could win the division, coach. But you might have four teams that have a winning record. Notice how the big dog said three other teams. Ladies and gentlemen, please welcome your 2011 Minnesota Twins to the American League Central race. They've now won eight in a row. They're in it, big dog, and they might be in it to win it. Yeah, they, they might be in it to win it. And, and let's, let, you know, what we talked about the fact that a lot of teams like the Cardinals have had everything go against them this year, yet they're still yes. contending. The, the Twins have had a lot of stuff go against them all year long. Joe Maurer finally back in the lineup. He's basically missed the whole entire season so far. Justin Morneau has not hit at all. Delman Young hasn't hit at all. Morneau's still on the, on the, on the DL. They lost their closer, Joe Nathan. You know, Francisco Liriano, yeah, he threw the, the no hitter and he's had one other good outing. Other than that, he's been abysmal this season. Yet, here are the Twins. And, and you know what? All of a sudden, you're right. They've won eight games in a row. All of a sudden, they look like the piranhas against them. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's four teams battling for the Central Coach. Only if the White Sox can get their act together, and I think they're going to. I really guy, uh, guards you, Ron Gardenhire, their outstanding manager. By the way, speaking of managers, uh, we lost our second manager of the year. Bob Guerin of Oakland wins the lottery. If you were in the Bob Guerin camp, you win the money for the first manager fired. But to Edwin Rodriguez, now he was not fired. But the Florida manager, Florida Marlins manager, who apparently management liked a lot, Big Dog, he resigned after a um, very, very tough June for the Florida Marlins. Second manager to lose his job. You know, he made comments that I was really surprised that anybody would admit that. But he was like, the players weren't listening to me. I couldn't motivate them. 
Well, you know what I mean? I can mm-hmm. imagine resigning, but to admit that, that, that takes a lot of I, I, I really don't know if I was in that situation, if I'd be willing to admit publicly that as a leader of men, they would refuse to listen to me and do what I told them to do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't. it would be hard for me publicly to admit that. And guess like, who? You know, now, they've named the third base coach or the bench coach the interim manager, but the rumor is the guy they're going to bring back to finish out the year? What's that? It's not rumor anymore, Coach. 80 or Jack McKeon has been named the manager? Yeah. It's unbelievable. Interim, he's going to... Finish the season now, and they're going to open. They're going to do a search, and they want the the right guy to start next yeah, year. Well, the right or, guy, or the guy they'd like is the Chicago White Sox manager, Ozzie Guillen, who may or may not be available, but 80 years old. Jack McKeon, Big Dog you along with being our golf expert and our NBA draft analyst, you are also our baseball historian. You know, for not getting paid much, you you wear a lot of hats. Uh, is that the oldest, old, oldest manager in, in baseball history? Uh, I'm going to guess no. Um, and I'm pretty sure Connie Mack was older than uh, Jack McKeon at 80. Jack McKeon's 80. So I, Connie Mack had to be older than 80 because I just shouldn't say he had to have been because back then they, baseball teams were a lot less expensive. But he managed in the team for 50 years. He owned and managed the, the Philadelphia A's. 55. Oh, yeah. David Olson, our uh, investigator, what did you find out? Uh, Big Doug is correct. Connie Mack managed the A's at the age of 87. Woo! Wow. Wow. What was back in the Connie Mack days, Big Doug, what was the travel schedules like? I'm assuming. Well, don't forget that uh, back then, like nowadays, uh, baseball teams play every Tuesday, Wednesday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday. And every other week, get either a Monday or a Thursday off. So they play 13 out of 14 days, and you fly everywhere. Back in the day, Coach, without a doubt, everybody played Friday, Saturday, and Sunday. Without a doubt. Okay? And there was normally a doubleheader on Sunday. But there was a lot of doubleheaders. Like, on, like you'll do like a doubleheader on Tuesday, playing a Wednesday. Get on a train after you play like a Wednesday and got out. Like the game finishes at 3. You're on a train at 4 o'clock, and you're on a train all night. And You know what I mean? It was, the travel schedule was crazy back then. It was all by train. But you played two games a day. A lot. There was like you had two doubleheaders a week usually, and you might not play for two days. So it was even tougher back when Connie Mack was an 87-year-old manager of your Philadelphia A's. I, I, would, oh. I would totally agree with that. But I, don't forget, that was in the American League back then. And so the, the, the far games were Detroit and Chicago. Yeah. Okay, But it, when you're in Philadelphia, you had really close games in Washington, Boston, New York. Um, so, I mean, there's... It wasn't. I wouldn't say it was as bad a travel, really, Coach. Okay. See, I didn't so, think they played as many games, but apparently they. they I forgot hard. about the good old-fashioned doubleheaders too. A doubleheader, an old-fashioned kind. That that would be pretty tough on an eighty-plus something. Uh, I, I would think the mental stability to stick through a long doubleheader could be it could be a little bit of trouble for an aged manager. He was uh, he was pretty spry, Coach, and he didn't drink or smoke. So you know he had a. You know, he he lived a lot longer. He was a pretty, pretty active guy, actually. They played 154 games back in the day. So you played 22, okay. you played 22 times of every team. So 11 home games with each team. So you'd have two four game series and one three game series with each team. Uh, Jack McKeon, officially named manager uh, for the rest of the year, anyways. And of course, Jack McKeon is the guy who stepped in as we thought old back then in 2003 was 74 75 whatever it was and led them to the world series so it'll be interesting to see what happens yeah coach uh cubs I didn't even talk about let's talk real quick cubs yankees uh it was good baseball 
again, despite the negativity of the Chicago media, the Chicago press, it was entertaining. I didn't watch every single minute of it, but good chunks of it. And that was good baseball. Cubs played better. They lost two out of three. Had a rough couple of innings yesterday, but it was good baseball. Great crowds. I think for a three-game series, Big Dog, I believe the 126,000 that the Cubs accrued was an all-time Wrigley Field record. The crowd was good. They were into it. They were positive. It was for the most part, very good baseball. I thought it was a good series. Yanks take two out of three. If somebody comes up to me and they were like, you know, watching the game, you know, waiting for my girlfriend to do something, somebody just comes up to me and says to me, how the heck is this even close in the series? This is unbelievable. I can't even understand this. And I was like, it, you know, it's not like one team just blows out the other. Major League, you know, the Cubs do have a Major League Baseball team. You know, they're not putting out a bunch of college kids, uh, you know, against the almighty Yankees. I, like, this guy and his buddy, they were just dumbfounded that the Cubs weren't didn't lose twenty to nothing three games in a row. Mm-hmm. It's not as the Cubs aren't as bad as people think they are. Completely agree with you. Completely agree. And speaking of the lineups, were you surprised a little bit? Uh, maybe it was because the Yankees, but that manager Mike Quade went back to the veterans and played. I'm not saying didn't play the younger kids, but for the most part, DJ Lemayu, Tony Campana. Lou Montanez. Montanez played a little bit, but the young kids kind of sat while the veterans re-entered the lineup. I I don't think that uh, Quaddy was trying to pull him away from like magnitude of the moment or anything like that. I I, I don't. There must have been matchups or something, Coach. Mm-hmm. I think Quaddy really wants to see how these guys play in the limelight. You know, like yeah. because it, I mean, this was probably the this <clears throat> and the White Sox series are going to be the biggest series of the year for the Cubs. Let's face it. Mm-hmm. So. You and I can watch it because, we, you know, I'm going to be a Cubs fan the rest of my life, so I want to find out if Castro and Barney are, are as good as we think they are. You know, so. Uh, Another big error yesterday by Starlin Castro. Yankees knock him off uh, 10-4. to 4. Actually, Cubs had a 4-1 to 1 lead when Alfonso Soriano jacked one out of the park, three-run homer, but then the Yankees fought back. But, again, a really good baseball. A couple of the games were suspenseful right to the end. And the crowds, big deal, the Wrigley Field crowds, Maybe as loud, enthusiastic, and into it as I've ever heard. It was. No, I wouldn't say as you ever heard, Coach. Uh, but you know, I, they were, they were, they were into it. There's no doubt about it, Coach. They were really into it. I, just like this is the the one week as Cub fans, you're really going to enjoy being a Cub fan, go out to the, you know, and support them, and then I think everybody's going to disappear again. But you really think the most support you've ever seen at a game? Well, maybe get a little bit carried away, but it was it was definitely uh, maybe the volume of the TV was picking it up. Uh, I heard the radio announcers, Pat Hughes in particular, allude to it too, that at times that was as loud as he's ever heard Wrigley Field. So I'm not going to wow. say, you know, obviously the playoffs maybe a little bit more, but it was uh, it was good stuff and the crowd was was very much a part of it. No, no, the, coach, the, the playoff games at Wrigley Field are, it's like a morgue. That's true. You've got the, the actual season yep. ticket holders who aren't given the, uh, who aren't selling the regular season tickets to every uh, what do you call it a uh, ticket broker on the street decide to actually go to the games and these eighty year olds sit on their hand and drool on themselves and don't say a word <laughs> as the Dodgers go up two nothing. The, the quietest game you will ever go to at Wrigley Field is a, is a playoff game because everybody is waiting for the impending doom. Okay, so uh, yeah, I, I don't. I, it could obviously be a regular season game that was the loudest in, in Wrigley Field, and I'm I'm not ripping Cub fans. I'm ripping the season ticket holders who go to the playoff games and sit on their hands the whole entire time, and that's no joke. Fans like me who would enjoy it, who can't afford the 500 bucks for the ticket, mm-hmm. have to sit at home and, 
and, and just get angry as we see people drool on themselves in the stands. And you know what I'm talking about? <laughs> you see Cubs playoff games. I'm not making this up. You know what I'm talking well, about? Well, yeah, that's not, to be fair, it's not just at Wrigley Field. That's true in all professional sports, unfortunately, come playoff time. The ticket prices get jacked up. It's, uh, you know, who you know knows who you know to, to be able to purchase some tickets. Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, you got 20 executives from not to pick on Kraft Incorporated, but as an example, 20 high ranking executives from Kraft Incorporated haven't been to a Cub game all year and they're sitting front and center and they don't even know a Darwin Barney from a, from a Derek Lee. Yeah, and you know, they grew up, uh, they grew up Seattle Mariner fans because they're yep. from Tacoma. Yep. You know what I mean? And, you know, <laughs> and some guy that's been to 200 Cub games. You know what I mean? Is, uh, yeah, you should do what my, my wife ha- had this example for church because she gets mad. Uh, I think I think our Easter. Yeah, our oh. preacher calls them the Christ Easters, or he's got some name for them, the the people that only show up at Christmas and Easter. Oh, and she said there should be like punch cards, and you get a punch card every time you come in, and for Christmas and Easter only your regulars, the people with the full punch card, get to sit in the pews. The people that just show up. Johnny, come lately, they should stand in the back. Should be the same thing for playoff baseball or playoff any sport. Okay. We want the we want the real fans in the seats, the, the guys who've been fo- girls that have been following the team through thick and thin. Your your wife, my mom, absolutely. If you would if she would have said that idea to my mom, she would have she would have loved it. Oh, you have no idea, coach. We'd go on Easter and we'd have to park down the street. Yep. She would like be mentioning. She'd be speaking out loud as we go into church. <laughs> Oh, it seems really busy this Sunday. It must be because it's Easter. And like she would yell it. <laughs> she was talking to like my brother and I as we walk into the church. <laughs> uh, like, just crack me up. Just crack me up. She would not actually go and grab people out of the pew, would she? No, no, no. She would make just uh, say it as loud as possible, but not in the church. Okay. You know, like as we were walking into the church. Uh-huh. Now, oh, once we go into the church, you nice. throw that holy water on you, and then you know you can't even joke. You know nice what I mean? You see. think about joking at the sin. Nice to see Mrs. Radbonsky with a little spit and fire. I like that. Oh, she uh, has it. Hey, uh, by the way, uh, one other thing on the uh, Cubs. They, of course, beat Milwaukee three out of four. They had a two-game win streak coming in, or they had a one-game win streak. They beat the Yankees for the second game. Uh, then they lost on Saturday. So the bottom line is what I'm trying to blither my way through and say is they're still the only team in baseball that have not yet put together a three-game win streak. Big I don't know how significant that is, but... They had a chance, didn't get it done. Uh, coach, well, it's not significant in the fact, like, oh, uh, they're, they're choking after two wins. It's just the fact that yeah, this team really doesn't have a starting rotation that can roll off five, six, seven wins in a row or three. But let's face it, it's the starting rotation all year long has had gigantic holes in it. And, and you know, Casey Coleman's a nice kid, but you can't have him in your starting rotation in the major leagues. Mm-hmm. Started 10 games for you. So that's right there. You cannot win five games in a row, obviously, because Casey. And then all of a sudden, you start throwing all these other guys that might end up being decent major league pitchers. We'll have to find out, but they they weren't ready. After all these other guys that that were thrown out there in the heat of the fire. And by the way, Casey Coleman all of a sudden out of the pen doesn't look so bad, Coach. Have you heard? Since he's they brought him back up and they had him in some relief roles and like three times in a row he had a. Uh, he had a one, two, three, and he returned mm-hmm. nine consecutive batters, and we're all. I mean, he looks good. Yep. So, I mentioned after watching him start a couple of times, even though he was getting shelled pretty good, I thought he had some potential. So I haven't uh, written the kid off yet. Speaking of pitching, today's matchup: Gavin Floyd taking on Carlos Zambrano. You know the previous history with Zambrano in these uh, series. White Sox Cubs, there's always some kind of histronics going on. So it'll be interesting to see Matt Garza, Mark Burley on Tuesday. And Doug Davis against Jake Peavy 
on Wednesday. Your analysis of the pitching matchups, Big Dog, how do you think this three-game series comes out? Um, well, it was nice to see, you know, Doug Davis throwing 82 miles an hour. It proves that if you hit your spots as a pitcher, you, if you throw it where you want to throw it, you can get major league hitters out no matter who they are, even if they are the, you know, the godforsaken Yankees. You know, so uh, Doug Davis looked really good. Obviously, he's not part of the future plans of the Cubs. Uh, hopefully, he gives us a good outing against uh, Jake Peavy on Wednesday as a Cubs fan. But after that, I, I honestly would love to see other people come up, and, and I'd rather see young kids getting shelled than Doug Davis, uh, you know, giving us a gritty victory every once in a while. Coach, I'd rather see young kids learn how to get those victories. Honestly. By the way, as you were analyzing uh, Doug Davis, uh, Cinemax Cindy wrote in, tell Big Dog, I agree with him completely. Even if you don't have your best stuff, if you're hitting your spots, you can still succeed. Well, Cinemax Cindy. That was from Cinemax Cindy. Now, not sure if she's talking baseball or not, Big Dog, but uh, your good friend Cinemax Cindy checking in. Uh, there could be many different things she's talking about, Coach, and I, would, I don't think I so. don't want to touch that. <laughs> I don't think there's that many things she's talking about. It's all about hitting your spots, Big Dog. <laughs> Good to know, Coach. I'm going to work on that. Thank you very much. 888-463-6748. Big Dog and a coach will be with you all week, 10 o'clock until 11 o'clock. Could I exaggerate enough, Big Dog, to say that we have become, at times, appointment radio? Uh, I, I wouldn't exaggerate. <laughs> oh, who am I crapping? Oh, thank goodness we're on archives. I don't know if we're appointment radio, but uh, if you wake up at 2 in the morning and, you know, you got a little stomach flu situation in between bouts at the toilet, big dog, you can't go back to sleep, you know, you can go to TalkZone.com. We're right there in the archives. I think between stomach flu bouts, I think we'd be pretty good listening at 2 in the morning. But that's just me. That is just you, Coach. I don't know if I'm going to agree with you 100% on that one. How's that for a promo? <laughs> Not a hundred percent. Will you go with me? Maybe like ninety three percent. Yeah, let's stay away. Thank you very much. Hey, interleague baseball, real quick. Let's do a weekend baseball round them up, wrap them up. Want to get to a couple other stories and then uh, revisit the big story of the weekend: the U.S. Open and uh, a star hath been born. Interleague baseball was uh, Tampa Bay knocking off Florida two one. We talked about Florida's manager resigning, James Shields, big dog. His fifth. Complete game victory for Tampa Bay yesterday, two to one. He might be better than David Price right now. Coach, no, he's definitely better than David Price this season. They call him Big Game James. I mean, and that's another guy, coach. He doesn't throw it a million miles an hour, and he, and he's just been phenomenal for the Tampa Bay Rays, uh, you know, all, all season long. Mm-hmm. And last year, if they were playing a, a game that I wouldn't say didn't matter, but just say they were like playing the Orioles, and he was pitching. He'd give up a bunch of runs. And then the next game they were playing the Red Sox and he was pitching and it was for first place, he'd have a shutout. Yeah, that's just, he's one of those guys that seem to elevate their game. Big game, James. So uh, he's he's a superstar pitcher on the rise. Coach. No question about it. Battle of Florida, little interleague play. Tampa Bay from the American League in a sweep over the Florida Marlins. Detroit taking on Colorado Tigers 9, Colorado 1. Justin Verlander gives up four hits. He's 7-0 and in his last nine starts. Another hot pitcher in the Tigers' uh Continue to chase the Cleveland Indians, big dog, playing solid baseball. Yeah, the American League Cy Young Award is that race is awfully good this year, and you know it's far from you know far from over. But what do we got? Verlander, uh, Shields, Josh Beckett, Josh Beckett. I mean, those three right there are without a doubt the leaders. You would have to say right now. 
I mean, Josh Beckett leading the league in ERA, and he's mm-hmm. got like eight wins. Uh, could we? And I think we could sneak into the, the the backside conversation. Chicago White Sox winning pitcher yesterday again with a quality performance. Phil Umber, who's been uh, absolutely amazing. He's been phenomenal, Coach. Uh, another just steady, steady. Yep. You know, like if you look at each individual performance, they're never phenomenal. He goes out, gives you seven innings. The other team gets two runs. He's five, and never at, at all looks in trouble during the game. You're like, oh, he pitched great. Well, when you consider he does it every time out, that's pretty phenomenal, Coach. Every time out, he does it. Seven so. and two-thirds yesterday gave up a couple of runs. He has been, uh, and again, we talked about it before he came into the White Sox as the fill-in, the fill-in number five pitcher, and he's probably been the seventh or eighth best pitcher in the American League. And maybe, Big Dog, uh, all-star game, I think it's it's a possibility at this point. Oh, right now, there's, n- there's no other White Sox player that deserves the all-star game more. Yeah. Then Phil Umber does. Yeah, but deserve and get the nod are two different things because he's still yeah. Phil Umber. Like for most people, it's who's Phil Umber. But he clearly, on performance alone, he has been one of the top all-star pitchers. Yeah, and, and it continues. We're talking about like just it's just statistically, according to fantasy baseball, just statistics wise, he's having the 11th best season as of right now in Major League Baseball. There you go. I mean, that's impressive, Coach. That's really impressive. I mean, I know it's not it's what's fantasy baseball as opposed to real baseball, but just mm-hmm. just to kind of correlate numbers-wise how good he's been this and year. And remember, it's Phil Umber with the silent H in front. I've always had a thing and a little personal edification for the silent letters, so I like the guy even more. Hey, St. Louis and Kansas City, Battle of Missouri, two great baseball towns. Yes, I called Kansas City a great baseball town. Cardinals win yesterday. Five to four, they take two out of three in the series. This was good baseball. I think every game was close yesterday. The Royals got a home run in the ninth inning to tie it up, Big Dog, and then skip Schumacher. Jacks went out in the tenth inning to win it for St. Louis, but good baseball in the Battle of uh, Missouri. Uh, what a good series, Coach. Every game down yep. the wire. Heck yeah. It's, uh, and obviously the, the, the story coming out of there is Albert Pujols. Albert Pujols gets thrown at in the, in his first at bat. Uh, Stares down the pitcher. Two pitches later, hits a home run later in the game. Bad throw from, I'm not sure, I think it was Terrio, Coach. I think it was from the shortstop. It bounces. Uh, Albert Poulos goes into the first baseline to catch it. Uh, I think it was uh, Acides was the guy who ran into him. Sprained wrist, sprained shoulder for Albert Poulos. And you you do not want to, we don't know how bad it is. We're going to find out today. But uh, hopefully nothing's broke or anything like that. It didn't look Uh, good. The way he was holding it, it did not. Look particularly good. You know how easy the bones in that wrist can fracture. I, 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 not that I'm rooting against him or rooting, you know, for the Cardinals, but I fear the worst for an Albert Pujols. Yeah, I don't, I don't want bad karma. I'm not going to root for him to be hurt. I want him to be totally fine. Mm-hmm. I, I don't want for people to get injured. Yep. You know what I mean? It's, and especially when there's a talent like that. I mean, that's, yep. I mean, this, he's one of the top five hitters in the history of the game of baseball. The last thing I'd want is an injury that, no question. You know, I want to see the gradual decline. I don't want to see, oh, what could have been if he didn't blow his wrist out. I mean, still people to this day talk about what would have happened if Mickey Mantle didn't blow his knee out when he was a rookie. How good would he, would he have been? You know, that's, people always talk about he's the fastest human being on the planet. Mm-hmm. You know, then he then uh, he steps on the – Joe DiMaggio, like, called him off the ball and he blows his knee out. Yep. Steps on a, a, a water gate. And then after that, he never ran well. Well, he did run well, but he never ran. So people still – you hear, I hear 85-year-old men, what would have happened if the Mick never hurt himself? So hopefully this isn't one of those issues because he could break Barry Bonds' record, which all of us want him to do, let's be honest. 
I would much rather have Albert Pujols hold the all-time home run record than uh, than Barry Bonds. Yeah. He's got a long way for that, though. Not not as long as you how, might think, Coach. How many career does he have? Okay, he had 408 going into the season. What mm-hmm. that was his 14th yesterday. So we're looking at around 422. Hold on one second. We're watching somebody else's dog. You better be hey! <laughs> yeah, that's right. Okay. I'm the dog whisperer. Or the oh, dog. Yeah. only on two guys at a mic. All right, moving along or, or real quick. Let's go to Minnesota-San Diego, arguably. One of the great rivalries in all of baseball, the Minnesota Twins and the San Diego Padres. Uh, coach, <laughs> throw out the record. Very arguably, by the way. Minnesota knocked them off 5-4, to four, seven consecutive wins for the Twins, and they did it in dramatic fashion, a walk-off base hit by a gentleman known as Drew Butera. But the feel-good keeps on coming for the Minnesota Twin big dog. Yeah, they uh, Scott Baker uh, gave him a phenomenal performance this weekend. Uh, you know, if you if you get good pitching, Coach, and you only have to scrape out, Two or three runs in order to win a game, you know, it, it, it makes it, you know, being a scrappy, gutty team a lot easier. So uh, the, the Twins have been getting great pitching lately. A lot of dramatic walk-off of victories yesterday in Major League Baseball. Quick weekend version of the roundup up and wrap up here in MLB Baseball, which we do on um, oft occasions here on the Two Guys at a Mike Show. Cleveland knocked off Pittsburgh 5-2. to two. Another dramatic finish here. Big Dog, his first career homer. First ever homer in the Major League, Cord Phelps. Hits a three-run walk-off homer in the 11th inning, and the Cleveland Indians, who lost the mojo for a while, my friend, they sweep Pittsburgh, got the mojo going, Cleveland back in first place. Yeah, I, I think he's going to remember that home run for a while, Coach. Woo! I like yeah, the name, but... Cord Phelps. He sounds like a ball player. Yeah. When, you, when your first home run ever is a walk-off winner yep. to, uh, to a team that's battling for first place, that, that's uh, something that you can you know, uh, remember. That's pretty cool. Uh, the Indians are... They did start playing a lot better this past weekend. Of course, they're finally getting pitching again. They went through like a two, three-week stretch where yep. Masterson and all these guys were getting blown up, Coach. I wonder, that uh, was such a dramatic home run. I know when Osdrubal Cabrera had his phenomenal first month of the season, there were a lot of babies being born in Cleveland, and then the parents were naming him Osdrubal. It's going to become a very popular name. Jim, Tom, Steve, and Osdrubal. Do you think Court? You think that at least today there'll be a couple babies with the name Accord no. in Cleveland? No. Come on. You don't think so? I coach, come on. One or two? Cleveland Indians, you get caught up in the hype. Dramatic home run. Your baby's born the next morning. Hey, let's go Cord. What, what would you rather be named as, Drupal or Cord? I like Cord, you? as long as I don't Ubaldo? nickname me Umbilical. What about you, Baldo? <laughs> Like I like I like that even better. Ubaldo Jimenez. Yeah, yeah he's uh, how about Xander? <laughs> you like that one? Yeah. I got a couple other games, but you know what? Those were the most dramatic of the uh, MLB. Let's get to a few other stories, and then I do want to finish it out with our ode to Rory McIlroy. Uh, I got the College World Series. Big no, that's going on right now. Nothing dramatic over the weekend. Vanderbilt. You know about nothing dramatic? Texas no. A&M and South Carolina game? You didn't see Nothing. That? Nothing dramatic. <sighs> What happened? South Carolina with a walk-off home run what? to save the day in the ninth inning uh, yesterday what? to beat Texas A&M. Oh, were you going to tell I, us that? I did not get the story. Oh, David Olson talked to our interns, and uh, unacceptable. I should have had that story right in front of him. <laughs> oh, that's right, we don't have any interns. Have you seen how gorgeous Rosenblatt Stadium is, the new one? Yeah, I like it. Oh, very wow. nice. I mean, they did they did it upright, Coach. Yep. They did it upright. Remember, you and me at our uh, post-retirement bucket list, Big Dog, you and me. Together, four days in Omaha. We might even make it to the stadium. 
Well, you, you do realize that I, I have a place for us to stay out there. I've done it, Coach. It is. Yeah. It's, I spent a week out there. That was legitimately some of the most fun I've ever yeah. had in my entire that's, life. That's one of the things I would love to do. Not just one day. I want to be at the College World Series from start to finish and soak up some quality aluminum bat college baseball. And, and, and if you're somebody that just like likes the vibe of like people that are just young, having a good time, I mean, the country floods Omaha, Coach. It floods <laughs> Omaha. And Omaha is, uh, I mean, it's a good town. Because, like, the whole town prepares for this 10 days. Okay, they, they all prepare for it. So they get as much pulled pork. And as you name all the, they just stock up on it. Everybody works for 10 days straight, and they try to make a jackpot. So, like, mm-hmm. you have places to eat, all the beer specials. Taxi drivers come in from all over because they know they need. I'm not kidding you. It's like it's a serious event in the Midwest. It's a good time, Coach. Somebody asked if I wanted to pull pork. I said I prefer to pull my own. Thank you very much. Um, well, tell me now. Tell me what happened in the dramatic game that apparently I was not aware of. Hey, South- way, I, didn't, I, didn't, I didn't watch it, but I just I have not got a chance to watch College World Series. As a matter of fact, today at noon, yep. I'm my butt on the couch, and I'm watching a college baseball game from start to finish. I actually can't wait to do it. You deserve but, to do it. Now, so, South Carolina, if you remember last year, Coach, they had a walk-off win uh, when they were about to get eliminated, and they they had, then they went on that run, and they they mm-hmm. uh, won the College World Series. Well, yesterday against uh, everybody's Cinderella, Texas A&M, uh, two outs, down a run, runner on, and the opposite field blast wow. by a right-handed batter to wow. win the game. They were, they didn't go as crazy as they did last year when, like, people were hurt in the bottom of the pile uh, <laughs> when they won the when they won the College World Series. But, uh, yeah, it was pretty cool. So Wow. All right. So uh, and each of those rounds are best two out of three, right? So Texas A&M still got a shot. No, 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 no. This is uh, the, when you get to the College World Series, it's double elimination, but you don't play a series. Oh, I'm sorry. Yeah, that's right. Double elimination. So, mm-hmm. But Texas A&M is still in it to win it. Yeah, they'll be in the loser's bracket. Okay. Yeah, nobody's been eliminated now, but people gotcha. there's an elimination game today at noon. I'm almost positive it's an elimination game. Mm-hmm. And those are great. You got two teams on the brink of being yep. eliminated from the College World Series. Next thing, you, you got people you know, that, that haven't pitched in like seven years, and all of a sudden they, they're coming out just to get the left-handed <laughs> batter out. You're like, the first base is lefty. Can you pitch out there? <laughs> he comes in there, you know, <laughs> It's, it's a good time watching college. All right. Also, uh, over the weekend, we want to quickly mention the United States soccer team. They knocked off Jamaica 2 to nothing quarterfinals of the CONCACAF Cup Big Dog. They advanced to the semifinals and take on Panama. And as you, uh, being our soccer expert, as you well recall, Panama knocked us off 1 to nothing earlier last week in a uh, prelim game that almost threatened the U.S. making the playoffs. So it should be interesting. Wednesday. At 7 o'clock, I know you'll be watching. No, I know I'm going to upset uh, a, a lot of members of your family and Uh-oh. coach, but I, th- I was so upset yesterday. Okay, Clint Dempsey and Landon Donovan yep. go to weddings. Okay, and I understand those are your sisters. Oh, it's a different weddings. Okay, coach? But um, are you there? I'm st- yellow. Okay, I'm sorry. Yellow. Uh, so now, um. I understand going to the ways, but they they stayed at the reception and they they end up showing up the day of the game and okay you are a representative of the United States of America you're on the soccer team that's your family I totally understand you go to the wedding you get your butt back over here okay you don't stay for the reception and all that other stuff you don't stay for the, so you just attend the wedding you don't even you got to be at the reception well no you don't have to be at the reception okay you, you, 
they should they shouldn't have come back the next day and arrived the day of the game. Well, that doesn't when, make any sense to me, coach. You're the a way, professional soccer player. You got to stick around for the reception, and if you stick around for the reception, you might as well get a good night's sleep and fly out first thing in the morning. What Big Dog's alluding to is the United States in preparation for this big game. A couple of days of practice and two of their stars, two of their, I think their team captains, Clint yeah. Dempsey and Landon Donovan, both not there because of the aforementioned. Uh, the, the big mistake is if you're married, or if, if you are uh, your brother or sister, someone in your family is a national star. In this case, it might be movies, it might be you know a rock group. In this case, it's sports. Check out the schedule a little bit. They shouldn't have planned the wedding in the middle of America's favorite event, the CONCACAF Cup. Especially considering that person is probably going to give you the best present anyways. Yeah. I mean, try to let them know, hey, you're probably the CONCACAF Cup is being played then. So we do know that during the summers of these particular years, you might be busy with a tremendously important soccer yes. game. And listen, they, and let's admit it, the U.S. has played themselves into making the game against Jamaica extremely important. It shouldn't yep. have been that important. But what, who would they tied somebody? They shouldn't have tied. You know what? Well, I mean? they lost to, to, to Panama. That's what put the That's pressure. Right. That's what it was. Okay. Yeah, I knew so, it, there was a game that cost yeah. them. The Panama, ball. by the way, you talk about South Carolina's dramatic home run, Big Dub. Panama, twenty seconds left. Now you play ninety minutes of soccer, folks. So eighty. 89 minutes and 40 seconds without scoring a goal. They're down one nothing. They're about to be eliminated. 20 seconds left of the match. They find a way to put puck in net, and then they win it on penalty kicks. Panama still alive, barely. How's that for drama? Um, I, I didn't know. 20 seconds drama, left. Coach. Wow. Was it was it in the was it in the injury time or was it in the actual clock? Time? Not sure. But thank okay, you for us. That's, that's dramatic, though. That is dramatic. Yeah. NBA draft coming up Thursday. We'll talk more about that, but I'm getting excited about that. I always enjoy that. A lot of foreign players, Big Dog, and you will be reporting to us on Enos Cantor and some of the other foreign players as the week goes on. You know, and I, like everybody else, have no idea about any of these European players, but it cracks me up. Once they say, oh, they're from European, so, yeah, this isn't that deep of a draft. It's not that good. Oh, Really? Yeah, that's why. That's why Dirk Nowitzki went in the second round, late in the second round. <laughs> yeah, you know Steve Nash, I, second round pick. No, oh, because he's from Canada. He obviously can't play. It cracks me up. Though. I've actually, I hear you. I've done a little research on him, and in, in all seriousness, they're all pretty much similar. They're all like six nine, six ten, six eleven, seven foot. They're all big guys. They're all, of course, white. And they can all shoot outside, and they're all pretty skilled players. None of them are tremendously overly physical, but. Uh, Almost all your top first-round forum picks, that's pretty much the general description for them. But I do think this will end up going down as a, as a bad draft, to be honest with you, Coach. I can't – I mean, but it just, it's just funny how this is being portrayed. Mm-hmm. Like immediately, oh, yeah, there's nobody in this draft. There's nobody, anybody. It's like the worst draft in 20 years they're talking. So. Yeah, there'll, there'll be some stars to come out of it. I always find it fascinating. Uh, speaking of fascinating, Big though, there's a tennis tournament, I believe, starting today – yeah, you might have heard of it. It's called Wimbledon. Well, you know, I watched the first match, and, you know, because I don't usually get into the whole tournament, the the court looks amazing before it starts being used and tore up. And, you know, it looks really cool on the first match. And it was funny, by the end of the first match, you could already see the grass was dying and it was, mm-hmm. it was getting tore up already. Do they have, like, a grass Zamboni that comes out between matches and, and cleans things up a little bit? I don't know how they do it, but I do know they have a grass guru. A grass who? A grass guru. <laughs> Wimbledon has a grass guy that puts the side father, Roger Boster, to the sharp white <laughs> shame, from what I understand. I mean, this guy, 
He's no nonsense coach. He's uh-huh. he's like the grass Nazi. So. <laughs> oh, I'd love to see him meet the sod father. That could be a good motto versus motto match. Like he he times how much sun each grass is of course yet. <laughs> grass Nazi. This guy is out of his mind, Coach. He might be the most obsessive person about his job on the planet as the grass Uh, guy. I I was going to watch Wimbledon for the tennis. Now I'm going to pay attention to the, uh, if they show up between matches to the grass Nazi. That sounds entertaining. At center court, Coach, it's it's ridiculous. He, like, times it to the second how much sun the the place gets. Like, if a cloud goes over, he has to recalibrate how much sun the court should get. Really amazing. Tough job. I didn't realize there was so much going into it. Yeah, or it's not, and he makes it look important. Uh, we got to wrap it up, Big Dog. I'll give you the final twenty twenty five seconds. Revisit the opening of the show. It truly was one of the better four day sporting performances under pressure that we have seen. Give Rory McIlroy his props, and then we got to get out of here. Uh, Rory McIlroy in Northern Ireland. There, it would be the fifth smallest state in the country if it was in in, uh, in our country, but it ends up being a, a country over in Ireland. Rory McIlroy, phenomenal job. That's what that's what we're going to give you here at Two Guys in the Mic. Think there were a few pints raised in honor of uh, Rory in Northern Ireland? No, I think there were uh, millions of pints raised in honor of Rory <laughs> McIlroy. Uh, it'd be a good time to be in Northern Ireland. All right, Big Doe, have a great day. We'll talk to you tomorrow with 10 more fun to come, okay? Two Guys in the God bless you. Big Dog, check it in. David Olson, our producer, great job. We'll look forward to a uh, real fun week here at the Two Guys at a Mic Show. Hope you join us each and every day. If you can't, we're always archived at thetalkzone.com. Have a great day, everybody. We'll be back at you at 10 o'clock tomorrow. Please don't be late.